Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. It is possible for us, in fact, not just possible, many of us, we have pretend saviors. Now, one of the biggest realities of salvation is a reality called redemption, where God delivers us from bondage. And salvation, whenever you think about salvation, it is God himself coming down into our story, into our lives, and breaking us out of slavery to Satan, to sin, and the grave. When you talk about salvation, it is really God stepping into your life. God stepping into your story and delivering you and I from slavery to sin, slavery to Satan, slavery to the grave, slavery to hell, slavery to the world. And so it is this same picture that we find when we think about Israel coming out of Egypt. Egypt is a representation of slavery. It is a representation of bondage. Egypt is a representation of bondage, slavery, and captivity. So the children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt. Even you and I, we have or we had our own Egypts. And what Jesus does is he comes like Moses came and delivers us by the hand of God out of bondage. Glory be to his name. He delivers us out of slavery. He delivers us out of the slave driver so that we can get out of bondage and captivity. However, I have also seen another reality in salvation that it is possible for someone to be redeemed and delivered from bondage and yet not walk in freedom and the liberty that the redemption brings. It is possible for you to be delivered out of captivity and yet not walk in freedom. And that's a great inconsistency. Where you are no longer in prison, in captivity, but you are not in freedom. You're not in liberty. You are not walking consistently to what a delivered person would be like. And I think that's the epitome of frustration in this life where you know you are free, but your life does not reflect freedom. 
You know I should be like a bird flying up with my wings all spread out and nothing hindering me and flying and enjoying the weather, enjoying the clouds and and it is sunny and it is shining. But every time I try to put my wings out, I just can't make it. I should be free, but I ain't free. I should have stopped that habit, but I just don't feel I can. I should have, I should not go there, but I keep going there. I should not do that, but I still keep doing that. I, I should see life in a better way, but I do, I just do not. I know I have been set free. I know I am out of the Egyptian slavery, but the land that flows with milk and honey is giving me bitter waters. I am not a slave anymore, but at the same time, I am not free. And you must ask, what causes this? What is the cause of a person being saved, redeemed, and delivered, and yet they live A life of constant struggle, pain, stress, and distress. What is the cause? At this point, you may want to go back home now. Because we are going to start a very strong ride on our way to freedom. What is it that causes a man or a woman to know I am in salvation, I am am born again, but yet you are looking for the freedom, you can't find it. And I have seen again, as a pastor, I have seen, and I look with great sadness on how many people who are in Christ, yet their lives do not reflect the joy the peace and the rest that come with salvation. I have seen it. And today, I just want to provide an answer that I see in the scriptures that will help you because the answer to why there is an inconsistency and a constant frustration in many people's life, the biggest reason why you would be Redeemed, delivered, saved, and yet your life continues to be in struggle, in pain, in stress. Is not because God doesn't love you. In many ways, it's not even because you are not prayerful. Most of the people that are stressed and distressed in salvation are actually quite prayerful people. They are prayerful, yet stressed. They read their Bibles constantly, and yet they still remain stressed. And then you find then there are others who, they just decide the opposite. They they try the opposite. They just try not praying. Say, nothing is happening. 
Let me not do this anymore. They just give up on so much. Giving up still doesn't release the stress. So what do you do? I believe the answer lies in who exactly is sitting in the driver's seat of your heart after redemption and deliverance. Who exactly is sitting in the driver's seat? The Lord has delivered you. The Lord has redeemed you. Like Jesus is not going back to the cross anymore. You have been saved. Even you, when we ask you, are you born again? You tell us, yes, I am born again. And now we have to ask, who is in the driver's seat? When it comes to your life. Who is in the driver's seat? In your heart. Because we must learn. If we are going to live in freedom. Not just redemption. Let me tell you. There are lots of people who are going to go to heaven. And then you get to heaven. And you realize. Your life would have been much better here on earth. But your throne, the throne of your heart, had another king ruling and reigning on your heart. Therefore, we must learn to dethrone everything or anything in our hearts so that Christ is enthroned way above anything else. If you are going to live in liberty, the Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. No longer to be held captive by the bondage of slavery. It is for freedom. Now, when God got the children of Israel out of slavery, in Exodus chapter 20, he tells them these words from verses 1. He says, and God spoke these words saying to the children of Israel, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. Now, do you see? So the question is not whether God is their God or not. God has already settled it and committed to himself. He has done what it needs to be done. In his mind, it is settled. These are my people. I am their God. Do you see that? So, it, it, they are not in slavery anymore. They are no longer wondering, where is our God? They are no longer asking, is really God our God? No, 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 no. God himself has come out and said, I am the Lord your God, I am the one who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land and the house of bondage. So friend, you are no longer bound. You have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. You have been bought at a price. God is on your side. The Lord is your Emmanuel. He is with you. Because everything else actually doesn't make sense until you have settled that. 
until you have settled in the reality, you know what? God is my God. In fact, a lot of us, we live in this, I call it a schizophrenic life. You know, a person who suffers from schizophrenia has multiple personalities. So they have what they call a multiple personality disorder. There are people who are born again now, like when they are in church. And when they get on the street, they, they don't forget that they are born again, but another personality takes over. And I'm telling you the truth. Even I, I found that one of the things I must constantly do is keep in remembrance that I am not bound. So that I don't live a double life like double agent. So God first comes to them and tells you, I want you to fast. No, I am the Lord, your God. I brought you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. I brought you out. I brought you out. You are no longer in there. You are out. You know that when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, one of the amazing things was that they would tell him point blank. And they would tell him, we are not a slave to anybody. We are not. Even now, if you find an Israelite, like the natural Israelite, they will look at you, they will tell you, I don't care what you're saying. Me, God is my God. And then you, the child of redemption who has been brought nearer to the covenant, you still think, uh, what am I? What am I not? And then God goes on and says, now that you have been set free and we have settled the fact that I am your God, verses 3 says, you shall have no other gods Wait a minute, I see two things right there. Number one, that God is saying and acknowledging it is possible to have me and others. Now, if this was another person or another entity saying this, we may not take it serious. But God is the one acknowledging. He's saying, I got you out, I redeemed you, but the reality is you still can have me and have another also. By the way, this is where like all the quempankering, the malararing, all of that you remove because you, you think it is the other one, but God is saying even you. It is possible for you to have God, the creator of the universe, every, and, and you are born again. You, we, we all know you are. And you also know you are, but you also have other gods. Can you imagine that God in heaven looks at you and gets concerned and says, Ah, oh, Daniel, you, you, I, you, I am yours, but I also know you. God is saying, and so it would be stupid of, oh, sorry, I think that's so. But anyway, I said we are going for a roller coaster. It, it would be foolish of you if you don't recognize that you carry in you a potential to get God who is everything and you add small G's and 
Many of us, that has been our problem. And you see, the problem with these other gods, they are pretend gods. Like this guy who was pretending here to be a policeman. If we are in serious business and you're driving, he stops you, you are like, who are you? He could be on the road and pretend. <laughs> he can't do nothing. And so the problem with other gods is they are pretend saviors. But Jesus is saying to us, it is possible to still worship the God of heaven while at the same time you have other gods. It kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Like when you hear it, it sounds like, who, who, who can even do that? God is like, you. You can easily have other gods. And then the second thing I see there, notice, he is also concerned about the order, the sequence in which these gods appear in relation to him. You can get God and put him in the back seat and get the other car God and put it in the forefront. And then God is like, wait, wait, wait. When did I take the back seat and you put another God before me? So he says, friends, I want you to take care that you do not put any other God before me. St. Augustine, a very famous man in the days before we were all born, was the first one to point some of these things out. And he said, one of our biggest problems and the cause of sin really in our lives is disordered affections, disordered loves. Like when you love, you can love the right thing in the wrong order. For example... If you are a husband who loves your work more than you love your wife, like there's no problem with loving your work, but the order matters. It's like if you are a lady who loves your shoes more than your husband. Uh, you see how ridiculous it is, eh? Disordered. So even God, like you love anything else more than you love God, disorder. So you put other gods before God. So, for God and for Jesus, Christ must be number one. In fact, he continues to say, you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath, that is in the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, I am a jealousy God, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to those, showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my command. Now, do you notice the connection between the worship of idols and hating God and loving God? And so he says, the one who worships other gods and other images, the problem is really they don't like me. In fact, anything you love more than you love God immediately becomes an idol you have set before God. And so by that, you will discover... That an idol is not necessarily a what? A bad thing. Anything you love and in which you get more fulfillment and more value than God, that thing becomes an idol 
in your life. You must ask yourself this question. What thing do you love more than you love God? If you do, uh, without you realizing it, that thing has become a savior to you. And it is a pretend savior. Because it cannot save you. And a lot of people uh, spend a lot of energy and a lot of brain power trying to run and running after other loves other than the love that actually matters. So ask yourself this question. He says, what thing if you lost could mean that almost all your significance and value would be drained out of your life. What thing in life, if you lost, would mean that all your significance and value would be drained out of your life? So one time, I was praying, and I thought I was praying a very powerful prayer. Hallelujah. I was praying for this church, and I was saying, Lord, I want to thank you for the city church. This place you have given to me to lead. In fact, I don't think I could ever do anything with my life other than pastor the city church, Luzida. When I look at every other thing in the world, this is the place. I said, wow. So I felt the Holy Spirit saying, okay, what if I wanted you to go and pastor another place? Kamera Maido. I was like, hmm, 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 And I'm like, Kamera what? I, I, seriously, I even stopped praying and I said, Holy Spirit, wait a minute. I said, what do I even tell those people? Can you imagine? I was asking the Holy Spirit, what do I even tell those people? And then the Spirit of God said, ah, ah, ah. And at that point, I actually realized I had made this church my idol. And I realized that is why we were not planting churches anywhere else. And after I said, Lord, you know what? Anywhere, please, anywhere, anywhere. It is after I said anywhere that God, I said anywhere, and I said, but Lord, I don't even know what I'm talking to people about. He said, okay, so now what have you been telling the people of the city church? I said, something, something. He said, okay, now I'm going to give you the message. That's when the gospel opened itself to me. I am saying this to say that even good things can become gods to us. Your school can become an idol, a god. Your family, like your wife can become, and you women, children, your child, your children. You can do anything for God until it comes for your child. You can. Your health can become your idol. Your health. I mean, I can't fast. I have ulcers. Fame. Fame. You want to be known. I want to be a celebrity. I want to be the one. For many people, money, wealth, 
riches become idols. That thing which, if anything touched it, you're done. Curse God and die. You rather curse God and die. If he touched that thing. Some of you, Kampala is your idol. Idols. However, the most dangerous idol that there is and the greatest idol that we have, the, the biggest kagod you have is yourself. It's yourself. And many times we often love ourselves more than we love God. And that's what gets in the way. Because ultimately, we do not really trust enough the salvation God provides so that we begin to look for ways of being our own saviors. Because the self-idolatry is very subtle. It's very cunning. It is very hard to diagonize. But I want you to know there are many ways you and I do not really trust Jesus to be our ultimate savior. We, we, we want Jesus plus. You see, God was not saying, my problem is you are going to kick me out. No, 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 no. My problem, God was saying, is you're going to put some other gods before me. And many times, the God we put before the God, the Savior, is yourself. You feel like if you are in charge more than the God of heaven. You see, I hear funny words, funny things like people come and tell me, you know, Musumba, God told me this. And then I told him, I'm like, you did what? Like, God spoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I asked him, God, but wait a minute, God. I'm like, oh, hmm, really? You did? Like God spoke, eh? And you also answered, eh? Hmm, wow. But who is more God than God now? Oh, glory be to God. Alex, you're preaching good. Keep going, man of God. Hallelujah. Ultimately, we do not trust enough the salvation God provides. So we look for ways of saving ourselves. We look for ways of being our own saviors. Until we are able to look at our own hearts and examine the ways in which we are becoming our own saviors, we can never walk in freedom, in the freedom that God intended for us. I want you to know that. Until you come to terms with the reality of what goes on in your heart and look at the many ways you want to be your own savior, you can never walk in the ultimate freedom that God intends for you. You must let the Savior be the Savior. You are not the Savior. There is only one name under heaven that has been given to men by which we must be saved. And that name is not yours. And this is one of the problems that actually, you see, God got the children of Israel out of slavery to Egypt, right? 
and got them into the promised land, in a land that was to flow with milk and honey. And you know what happened? When they got into that land, after several years, they began having idols. And he describes that in Ezekiel very well. Ezekiel chapter 14. The Bible says, when the elders, some of the elders of Israel came to me and sat before me. When they did, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, look at these men. Look at these men. They have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Now, do you see that God was not accusing them, I saw a statue as you are entering your house. Ah, ah, the statue I saw is in your heart. Inside. And they are elders. And they are coming to inquire of the prophet. So they are in church. But when God was looking at their hearts, Friend, let me boy bold to ask, when God looks at your heart, what does he see? Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Who is the ruler? Who is the Lord and the master? There are a lot of people that would prefer and they really like Jesus to be their savior, but for him to be their Lord. Ah, Jesus, you be my savior and I will be the Lord. So if you can save me, I like that. After you save me, I'm in charge. Because I'm not sure you really understand my uncle as I do Jesus. I don't think you know my father very well. Me, I know. My father very well. I, and my workplace and my job. You know, in Uganda, we know the way things work in office. So Jesus, I will come to church. I will even bring the offering. But at this workplace, in this office, there is a way things are work. And those ones I know. Jesus, you are a savior. I love that you saved me. But have you met my clan's people? Because me, I grew up with them. For, for us, this is how we do it. Once we go to the Senga, and we see the Senga, the other things that follow, Jesus, I don't think you will manage this. And Jesus, I love you. I, I really love you. I, don't I pray every Sunday? Don't, don't I do this? Don't I even serve in ministry? But this relationship thing I can handle. Leave me. You, you, don't worry. Don't worry. This one. Got it. Those are just but a few examples I can give. You look and ask yourself, how many things in life have you become a pretend God? Pretend savior. Because the source of stress is you are trying to fix what you can't fix. Oh yeah. You want your wife to be something. And you are trying as much as possible to make be something. Aren't you supposed to submit? Let me show you how, how they submit. God tells Ezekiel, because these men have set up idols in their hearts, 
Therefore, they put before themselves the thing that makes them stumble into iniquity. You cannot get out of sin when you are still your own savior. And so, you've been redeemed by Christ from sin, hell, and the grave. Isn't that right? You have been forgiven and washed by the blood of the Lamb. Haven't you? Satan no longer has power over you. That's true. Sin is no longer has a hold on you. I'm telling you, friend, you are free. You are free. And you are free. The only challenge is that after the Lord has got you out of your Egypt, now you must turn over all the other areas of your life so that he will become not only your savior, but he becomes the Lord of your life. You know what Lord means? He's the master of your life. That's what God is calling us to. That I don't want you to set any idols before me. I want you to remove the idols from your heart. You must be ready to trust me more than you trust yourself. You must be ready to put your trust in the redemption that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, if he got you out of sin, hell, and the grave, he definitely can get you out of uh, whatever life may throw toward you. He can. Yes, he can. So give it over to him. Because, and, and, and I'm telling you, friends, until you are able to see your own idolatry, salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection will not make sense to you. And probably this may be what you are struggling with. You may not have even known because you, you, you see your life is being pushed in one area and in another area, another area, and you're not able to stop and self-diagonize. What is my problem? And I am telling you the truth. If you are not yet able to see your own idolatry, in which ways you are trying to be your pseudo-savior, your own savior, your pretend savior. If you have not yet begun to see that, eh, I think I am the one trying to save myself here. Salvation through the cross of Jesus Christ. His death and resurrection will not make sense to you. They won't. But Jesus comes as a redeemer. Jesus comes as a deliverer. Jesus comes to us as our righteousness and peace. Hallelujah. And I am telling you, my friends, any form of self-salvation will destroy you. It will. Any form of trying it out your own way will lead to destruction. So, friends... Like I said to you, just as God sent Moses to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from their bondage to Pharaoh, God has sent Jesus Christ to deliver us from the bondage of sin, Satan, and the world. And Jesus has come 
Please pay attention. Jesus has come. Jesus has died for all our sins, all our mistakes, and all our failures. He has come. He has done that. And so therefore, I must come to terms with certain realities. And the reality number one is that I am not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. I am not the protector of my future. Jesus is the protector of my future. I am not the perfecter of my marriage. Jesus is the perfecter of my marriage. I am not the builder of my ministry. Jesus is the builder of my ministry. I am not the one who is going to promote myself from where I am to where I should be. Jesus is the promoter of anyone that puts his trust in him. I cannot fight my own temptations. Jesus is the one who will carry me out of what was defeating me because greater is he that is in me than the one that is in the world. That's why we sing and say, I put my faith in Jesus. He is the anchor of my soul. He is the deliverer of those who are in bondage. He is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the one that makes a way where there is no way. He is the answer to the all questions of life that may come your way. Jesus is still the redeemer. Jesus is still the savior. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the one who gets the downtrodden down from below and sets them high up above. Jesus is the one who gets the weak and makes them strong. Jesus is the one, the shield and the defender of those that are fatherless. Jesus is the one that provides solutions when we have no solutions. Jesus is the Savior. He is. And so I'll put my trust in him. I'll put my faith in him. I will put my hope in him. I come to call upon you, friends. Let us let go of things that we are holding on to that had become pretend saviors. Let us come to Jesus, the rock of ages. Let us come to Jesus, our shield and defense. Let us come to Jesus, the way maker. Hallelujah. So that we can join hands and sing, rain came, the wind blew, but my house was built on Jesus. My house is built on Jesus. The rain came, the winds blew, but my house was firm because I've put my faith in Jesus. Friends, I want to ask you, what are the things in your life that had become pretend saviors? Today, the real savior 
the deliverer of men is saying, I have got you out of Egypt. But now what is on your throne? What is more important to you than I am? What means more? Where do you get your value more than from me? And I want you to surrender those idols. What is it that has carried a lot of your time and a lot of your ways? And Jesus is saying, I want you to give me those things. Let me this audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 0706-332-572 or 0776-579-679.